a few simple checkboxes during the shoot and you'll be more organised than you ever thought possible and to have a head start on editing thanks to LumberjackSystem.com. When we last left our heroes, they were locked into a terribly important discussion. Let's drop in on them again as they plot the future. Now from the Top Dog's Kennel in beautiful downtown Burbank, it's the Terrence and Phillips Show. Thank you again, Gary. Wish you were still with us. This is the Terrence and Phillips Show. I'm Philip Hodgetts. And I'm Terrence Curran. And Terry, you've been, oh, outspoken about Avid lately. Oh! Hmm. <laughs> 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 Comments? <laughs> well, uh... No, I, I, think, I think we're both in agreement that there seems something a little out of whack with a company that is yeah. performing as Avid is performing mm-hmm. and the compensation for those in charge. There just seems to be a disconnect between the outrageously huge compensation and what's actually happening in the business. Um, yes. This is not just something I find confusing about Avid. I find it confusing where any company has bonuses that are not performance-related. I mean, yeah. how would a board of directors with doing their proper job ever approve a non-performance-related bonus? I'm- it's absolutely beyond me, but Avid borrowed a ton of money from a company called Cerberus, which is basically a loan shark uh, investment firm at not-so-great terms. And part of that was so they could pay out $30 million worth of bonuses. Now, to me, if you're borrowing money, you should not be paying bonuses. Exactly. With it. If you're yeah. borrowing money other than sort of strategic loans to keep to, afloat. Yeah. To, yeah, to survive, to keep yeah. cash if flow you're buying, or to invest in new things, yeah. yes, but not to pay out bonuses on a dying company. No, no. So, that, But it just reeks to me of the guys trying to take out as much as they can before the company goes under. And I guess we'll, Sabaris will be the new owners. Pretty much. That's I guess that'll work, yeah. It's going to be interesting. I've heard various theories of timelines from different people. But, you know, I would say by the end of this year, we're going to have a pretty good feeling of what happens. What would Sabaris do with the company or whoever? That's the big question. Uh, you can't really sell it so much. It, it's a very interesting property. Yeah. As a going concern in the role it has at the moment, mm-hmm. Avid, you know, is the company of the, the media enterprise. It has an installed user yes. base. Yes. yes. It's an important company for those people. Right. Because it will play their game. I right. mean, it will, right. it will deal with, you know, the big media companies in the way that they need mm-hmm. their supplier to deal with them. And not so much right. just their editing supply, their editing software, but, you know, substantially their infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So... But but what you know, <laughs> let's let's move hypothetically forward that the cor- yeah. the corporate structure that is avid at the moment goes away that you know it fails in some way and there's a takeover there's a sale there's a chapter eleven a chapter seven or whatever whatever yeah you know presumably there will be an assets there will be somebody take it over as a going concern yeah it's hard to say would they break it up I mean yeah. you could you could certainly sell off. DigiDesign, that's, I, I think, think, yeah, that's probably know, their most important asset. Yeah, it's a profitable area. Media Composer has an installed base, so just like Lightworks, I don't think it's going to die, but it's a question of does it get picked up by somebody who supports it and invests in improving it or not. And yeah, then the so storage part. The storage part is probably the easiest to transition somewhere else. Yeah, it's, I, mean, I don't think people I, care about you know Avid Storage. Other than, if you're other than not, Avid works on it. <laughs> yeah, well, no. but Avid I mean, works I mean, on other storage got, too. I'm sure, I'm sure Keycode will be happy to step in and fill the breach. Yeah, exactly. There uh, would be somebody. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, you could say that uh, Interplay, but I don't think asset anybody likes it. There's, I mean, again, yeah, there's, you know, there's many some, better versions of asset management many, out there. Certainly alternatives that, that would work. Yeah. But the key asset, the one that I think people that we know would be very concerned about, is Media Composer. Exactly. 
And I doubt that Media Composer is a viable business in and of itself. I don't think so. I don't think any NLE is a viable business no, I by itself. I, I agree. It's not. That, that's why it makes sense for a company that can sell a product around it, like Blackmagic sells the cards. Yes. So you can see the output yeah. of it. If you look at Lightworks, you know, which is now owned by EditShare, you know, yeah. they're, they're selling the storage of EditShare. That's what they want. You know, that's where they make their money. But and Lightworks is free, right? I believe yeah, it's a free yeah. download. Yeah. So and Resolve is a free download, but I and I hear people talking about Resolve as will Resolve, you know, work for me as an editor, and there's yeah. been some discussion on the Avid list about that that I found quite interesting. Yeah, it, I think it's the, the getting <laughs> it's, it's getting there and not there yet for most people. Yeah, no, it's not. It's yeah. definitely not there for you know the markets that we deal with primarily yeah. the heavy users. You can't do it for that. But the the thing that's interesting is the amount of resources that Blackmagic has been putting into it. Oh, yeah. You know, it's gone from it wasn't an editor a couple of years ago yeah. to it's, it's a it's competent a, finishing editor yeah, to, yeah. you know, like needs attention on the media pool, media organization. Right. I believe, and I haven't explored that yet, but I believe there is a way of importing metadata into Resolve now. Yeah, CSV metadata. Yeah. Into but a, it's... It, yeah, there's, it's part of the, a lot of the shortcomings. They also don't have bin-level locking, which is yeah, the yeah, big yeah, thing. Yeah. So in, our, in our industry, that's huge. Yeah. Um, and, and multiple editors And, and Premiere, I think, is coming closest to that with Adobe Anywhere. Yeah, they're getting closer. I mean, they, the problem with all of these other guys is they don't have the media database with the media, which Avid has. I mean, yeah. So that the NLE is just pointing at the media database. That's really easy to read a media database. It's a whole different thing to every time you want to do something, have to go read all the media available anywhere that it might be. And that is one of the things that slows it down. If I open a huge Premiere project, somebody comes over with a a two-hour movie, it takes forever to open. And then it takes forever to save because of all of that, you know, pointing all over the place. Avid doesn't have that problem because they just, the media database file, which gets slowly built every time you add, it gets appended every time you add new media in, is the one thing, that's, that's doing all that heavy lifting, so you open Avid and it goes, oh, there's a media database. Boop, this is all the information I need. Okay, here we go. Like Final Cut 10. Yeah. So that approach, they don't have that for no. Resolve and they don't have that for Premiere. In, in our universe where you can have you know, reality Final, shows. With Final Cut Pro 10 has that, but it hasn't got a lot of other tools that those, yeah, yeah. those markets would like. <laughs> right, exactly. <Yes. laughs> and then you know, here's Media Composer who has all that stuff, but it's ancient code, so it underperformed. I thought most of it got rewritten for the 64-bit rewrite. Yeah, that's sort of a that's sort of a, <laughs> a marketing spin. Kind it's of thing. most it's, it has truthiness about it. It has some truthiness. <laughs> uh, that, that's really going through and making sure that you know you can do anything in 64-bit and it won't crash. That's essentially what happened. Oh, okay. Uh, Modules have been rebuilt over time, but you still don't have. I mean, they're oh. they're still fighting with its old code, and not, and there's nobody who actually knows what the old code is. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's, there's, that's there's guys who know pieces. Um, yeah. You know, there's a few guys left at Avid who have probably more idea than anybody else. And when those guys are gone, then forget it because it's the programmers in India or wherever the hell they're outsourcing it to that'll be doing it. But it's not <laughs> it's not snappy. I mean, that was one of the big advantages that Final Cut 10 yeah. has is being built from scratch in this century. As, the, as has Premiere Pro. I mean, they, they didn't do it piecemeal like a whole new app, but there was the Mercury engine. So yeah. we, we rebuilt the media engine that was underneath and they rebuilt the interface and then they rebuilt Mercury Transmit, which is the, mm-hmm. the tape control interface into a common... API. But that's still old code compared to Final Cut 10, if you think about uh, when, well, when it's written. A lot of that was, no, actually about the same time. 
you know, Final Cut Pro 10 was rewritten 2009, 10, mostly 10 and 11. Yeah, but when did the new Premiere Pro come out? The Mercury was... engine was 2010. But I mean the whole package, because it's not oh, just well, the no. engine, you know. But it's, it's... Yeah, but I mean, it's from, from that point. For mm-hmm. instance, you know, they started being serious about making a modern app when mm-hmm. they rebuilt the, the Mercury engine. So that's, right. let's take, take all the dependencies on QuickTerm, all the dependencies on Windows Media. Let's build a modern media engine that we control, that, that we can extend in any which way we want mm-hmm. and can perform and use every, all the resources, at least for code that we create, mm-hmm. can use all the resources on your computer. Mm-hmm. You know, third-party code like ProRes, uh, <laughs> for example. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't perform necessarily as uh, admirably. Uh, well, it just the, and there's other there was others that I ran into, but Adobe write their codec code. Mm-hmm. It uses all the resources on the machine. Then they took that base that engine because nothing really changed in the interface. And then they did a, an interface redesign, and that's where they introduced things like Hover Scrub and mm-hmm. and other tools they borrowed from Final Cut. Oh, sorry, actually they probably borrowed that from iMovie. Yeah, probably because yeah. they would not have had time to develop right. it after Final Cut right. showed they it, but they certainly yet. would have seen had enough time to be inspired by it from the iMovie mm-hmm. 09 experience. So then the whole interface got rebuilt and they've built – I doubt that there's very much old code left in Premiere Pro. doesn't necessarily mean it's a perfectly stable app. Yeah. Would that's, you, would you, that's, that's how we structure it. Would you it. feel it is as snappy moving around as Final Cut Ten? I don't have the experience to say. Oh, okay. I don't do very much in Premiere Pro at all. Mm-hmm. I, I'm spoiled by Final Cut. Final Cut, as you well know, was made for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not literally, mm-hmm. but everything that I wanted in an LLE, the things that I'd been hinting at, and probably the reason why I, I was so accurate at, at guessing or predicting what Apple were doing is simply because I was asking for the things that, that I wanted it to be done. I wanted you know, more metadata support. I wanted mm-hmm. you know, organization based on metadata. I, I like the magnetic timeline. I know a lot of people don't like it. I think it works really well. It's certainly the fastest way to edit audio. Mm. I mean, it's what took me nine clicks in Soundtrack Pro, the one or two times I did Terrence and Phillips shows there, mm-hmm. I would literally one keystroke and a second keystroke in Final Cut playing in between. You know, just Command-B to create an edit point and then mm-hmm. option left square bracket to trim the head of the incoming piece once you've got rid of the ha or the ah, mm-hmm. the false start that I do often. So they become very quick to cut out. So there was this, all of those things were like the modern interface, complexity being hidden, doing simple interfaces. So all that stuff I really found works for me in Final Cut in a way that I personally don't find Premiere Pro works for me. But, well, yeah, Premiere Pro is more like the old model. So And it's one, I, one, thing, one of the reasons I attribute to its success right now. It's not only yeah. Adobe done a decent job with modernizing the app and you know, making it more suitable for the markets that they're chasing after. Mm-hmm. But they, it's a very easy transition mm-hmm. from people who have a track-based editor background who find learning something completely new a little affronting. Well, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't go there. I would say that when you have years and years and years of muscle memory, to have to reprogram that all if you don't see a gain in it, yeah, go, the Avid editors went to Final Cut, and the fo- people are swapping back between Premiere Pro and, and Avid regularly. Mm-hmm. So I'm not buying that argument as much as I did when it was first made. No, there's not, <laughs> when you bounce between Avid and Premiere Pro, it's not that much different. Yeah, you know, exactly. it's track based. Yeah. yeah, but that's what I'm saying is like you learn to think a certain way, and you know, it's like now if I pick up a, a Japanese comic book, oh my god, I have to read from the back to the front. Well, that doesn't make. I mean, that's. That's wrong. <laughs> you know, just because I've always done it the other way. So, uh, so if I had a choice of reading the exact same comic where it goes from front to back or back to front, I'm going to read the one from front to back because it's easier to transition to that because 
guess what? Ah, you see, but, but keep, what keeps you young is learning new things and challenging. Ah, there's plenty <laughs> of new things to learn, trust me. It's, it, how much value does it add is, is the kind of thing it. for me. And I don't, if I can learn more about something in history or learn about that, I'd rather dedicate the time to learning more about history. I love history. Oh, dude. Okay. For me. Well, I see, in neurolinguistic programming terms, which I studied quite a bit a long time ago, mm-hmm. and what NLP does is it tries to work out how people think, the mm-hmm. modality, so that for salespeople, you can adopt their modality, the, the sort of language, if they speak with audio-based language, like give me a call, send me an email, would be visual. Mm-hmm. I'll, cop, I'll drop around later, would be a kinesthetic person. Okay. So uh, but one of their other distinctions is away from the past or toward the future. Now, superficially, they sound like the same thing. Okay. But, for example, my mother, who, had, who lived through a depression-era childhood, mm-hmm. is always driven by being away from that. Right. Whereas I didn't have that. I had a very, I guess, by most standards, privileged childhood and, and adult, young adulthood. I'm more interested in what's coming. So I've always been interested in the next big thing, the next future tech. So I don't have that transitional problem. I'd rather look at what's coming than explore what's been. See, for me, I love history because it tells me what's coming. Well, <laughs> fair point. You know, that's if how, you don't that's study how it, you are doomed to repeat it. Yeah, yeah I, I, I could see what was going to happen. I use historical models to figure it out. If I didn't have that information, I wouldn't have been able to plot out you know, where point. things are going to go. So. And even though you say you're not, you're using all of your previous experience oh, when you're yeah, it's you still know, it's still when you're coming up with what is going to happen yeah. in the future when you're trying to predict. You're using all your previous experience. So to me, I guess just having more of it. I mean, every time I learn some new thing from history, I, there's something I get, I walk away with from it that just go wow. And then that stuff adds to your repertoire of how your brain functions, basically. Yeah. And it affects my storytelling. I'll find if I'm writing something or editing or something, it may I'll get something that will pop out from you know Shakespeare or something, uh-huh. somewhere from the past. Boom, pops in, gives me guidance on where to go with what I'm doing. I, I just I guess that's where I'm putting it. But I find that history, because it does tend to repeat itself, you, you get the models from the past that you can calculate where things are going to go in the future, to some degree, except for. Currently, where we have a situation where all labor is going to be replaced by technology, and there's never been a time in the history, yeah. of, so we I can't really predict what's going to happen. I just know it is not going to be good. Uh, so, <laughs> but <laughs> no, anyways, it's, a, it's unlikely. I, I I keep encouraging the squirrels around in case we need some quick protein. <laughs> come, come the apocalypse. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh... If you want to smooth out your workflow, translate between Final Cut Pro 10 and Premiere Pro or even Legacy Final Cut Pro, or want to synchronize multiple sources at once based on time code, or do the sort of reporting that everybody has to do, then head over to assistedediting.com or intelligentassistance.com. I, I mean, I really have looked and I can't find anything uh, in the past. To, to, there's no, no time ever in the history of mankind that all of our need to do any kind of labor has been taken care of. Yeah. So this is going to be interesting. All of our wants and needs technically can be taken care of by the machines in the Mm. coming future as we automate everything. What happens to us at that point? It's going to be interesting. (laughs) Well, in the past, I'm trying to put a little bit more positive spin on it. All right, I just took this show downhill quick. uh, Well, well, we started out with Avid, so this is a very depressing show anyway. It's a depressing show anyway, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. People have tended to survive cataclysmic events and we've lost huge pools of employment as technology made street lamps and 
bands, you know, yeah, but, they, but there was new employment opportunities. Yeah. You know, when the when you didn't make coaches anymore, you could go work on assembling the cars. Yeah, but we didn't have robots replacing every job you could possibly do. We didn't have computer technology. Should we okay, we had gramophones replacing live performers. That actually was a benefit because what happened is you could record once and make money off of that all around For the, the world. one person that got recorded. Yes. Yeah, for the but one the, person. But the but the 2000 people, the, the 20 people in every town that were the local entertainment. Yeah. All got laid off because people didn't want to go and well, hear a, they were a already, good singer because they because they could get a gramophone of a great singer. But they were already starving artists, anyways. Well, they were making a decent living, and yeah. in, well, in this in, in Australia, there was. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, I can only use the context that I've got history from, uh-huh. or know the history from. You know, there was pre-television. There was the very big vaudeville circuit in Australia. Mm-hmm. Acts would go, you know, between various types right, okay, of um, yeah. working men's clubs, mm-hmm. which were big. So there were, you know, probably five, six, ten thousand people making a decent living, doing what they wanted to do, living their lifestyle until television came in. Mm-hmm. Now those people got further and further down the circuit to where there was still a demand to there's simply no demand. And, and those skills, those jobs, those people have all been lost. Well, I wouldn't say they've been lost, but they, they were downsized a bit, but they have been – there were other jobs created at but that But not point. in the same numbers. No, but you'd have your local television repairman. So you had a repair, TV repair shop now in every town. And yeah, that guy was where's he now? This, well, this is, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. This is, these are slowly being automated yeah. out of existence. Yeah. That we got to the point where we go, oh, you just throw it away. You don't buy you know, The buy chief him. engineer. Mm-hmm. Chief engineers don't exist. I'm, I mean – Yeah, they're, that's a dying thing. I was, yeah. I, well, I, in fact, read an interesting online article in the last week about how – this one guy who's still an active chief engineer, freelance, he's working, he's got a full-time job. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah full-time job. Covers all these stations. Yeah, and he's, and he's a freelancer for all these other shit. But, yeah. you know, but I'm busy with my main job. I can get to you in about three days. Mm-hmm. Sorry you're off air for three days. Yeah. You might lose some advertising revenue and, you, and your entire audience because they found somewhere else to go. Yeah, but that's – broadcast is a dying model. Yeah. <laughs> because – because you don't need all that infrastructure anymore with YouTube. Yeah, yeah. You, you want to put a show out? Boom. You can do it for free on YouTube. Yeah. You know, which is where which is where some of those replacement jobs are going. Yes. And there are some people making money out of YouTube. More from, star, starving artists. Well, <laughs> getting back some, to. Yeah. Because you're picking this one little part of time. If you go back more than, you know, 150 years ago, you know, you had your traveling starving artists. They came yeah. to town. They did some performances for food or whatever they could get. And then you went to the next town. That's where the term starving artist comes from. We had this little weird bubble where starting with film, you could record that once and send it all over the world and make a lot of money on it. And then it was so expensive to do that a lot of people could make decent livings working in the chain, et cetera, et cetera. Well, we've gone back to anybody can perform wherever they want. Right. Making money at it is a whole different thing. I mean, you've got PewDiePie who's making millions, but most people aren't going to get that. Most people, media never pays the bills. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you could not run a TV station based on what people are prepared to pay for television. That's true. You know, it's advertising only. Advertising, and a lot of people who make money out of the new media make money out of Mm -hmm. the things associated with their show, merchandise, other things, in the same way that touring bands didn't make much money out of the touring, but they make the money out of the merchandising. And bands and now in, it's flipped around. Bands never made money out of the recordings. Oh yeah, the, no. the, the, the studio. If you if you got a deal on a record, you basically never saw any money from the record after that. 
that was the sad reality. Yeah. Until you, unless you were absolutely yeah, like Madonna or the, yeah, the, the top, Rolling Stone. Top, or, yeah, the top yeah. tier. But, Most but people, now they're making the money on the uh, concerts again. Yeah. Because they can't make any money on the other end. We're talking about art, which is probably yes. one of the unique <laughs> things that is hard to replace. All of these other jobs, though, uh, Uber... Yep. I think they're working yeah. with Google or they're working on their own self-driving car. Google has a self-driving car, et yeah. cetera. They're all working on self-driving cars. Once we go that route, the self-driving, then you've got four and a half million people in the United States unemployed in the transportation yeah. business. It it makes total sense to do it. I mean, I, I like the idea. You're no, Who will own a car anymore? You won't well, need yeah. to own a car. It's, it's much cheaper to just go, I need a car right now. And plug it in, and it shows up because I, there'll I be parked car, in your I need life. a car big enough for eight people or exactly. for luggage, you know. Right, and and there'll be, you know, those cars will just be parked all around town, wherever, and they're just sitting there waiting for yeah. the command to come in, and they're there. So that is the future. Why would you want to have the huge overhead of having an automobile and the insurance oh, and all the rest yeah, of that yeah. when this is going to be far more efficient? Totally with you. Um, and we could save the $100 billion that they want to spend building a train from here to San Francisco, but that's a separate thing. Um, so my point is that in all of these areas, the technology replaces the person, the worker bee. When you go to McDonald's coming soon, you'll be yeah. punching in on an iPad. You're not going to be talking to a human there anymore. And it's just a matter of time before the guys flipping burgers are automated too. I think there so, are already machines for that. Yeah. Well, they, they do have – yes. But I mean you know, McDonald's is going to be a little slower to get there. But yeah. it won't you – know. all of this stuff is going to happen. All it has to do is get to the point where it's more economical – for the business to invest in that than to pay for a human. And the beauty of the machine is it just keeps working. It works 24 hours a day. It doesn't take breaks. It doesn't have to go to the bathroom. It doesn't sue you for harassment. I mean, there's this, you know. It doesn't harass. It doesn't, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't harass anyone from a business standpoint. And the last areas probably of jobs will be, you know, repairing those robots. But eventually there will be robots that repair the robots. So we're being automated out of having to yep. work. Like I said, there's no point in history that I can look back and go when the majority of the people didn't have to work. Yeah. You know, food was just provided to you. Oh, Garden of Eden. There you go. It's the yeah. last time we were, <laughs> we were here, right? Yeah, so if we can avoid the snake this time, we're okay. <laughs> Although I think I think some of the islands in Vanuatu, that area of the Pacific, were quite like that before civilization arrived because there's abundant food and the weather is perfect. So well, but they still had a lot of the you know cave each other's skull, you know, the oh, chief yeah, yeah. and you know, you I did, mean, you man, man need some, some log pig for extra protein. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that. <Actually, laughs> so it's hard to predict that uh, for me, uh, even using history to where things are going to go. But let's push that aside and go back to talking about Avid. <laughs> <laughs> that is really easy to predict because you can see the the downward spiral, and there's no hope out of it. The current CEO is selling the whole, oh, we're going to be the platform. Everybody's going to you know, go through our marketplace to buy and sell media and whatnot. Okay, that, now you're trying to compete against Google and Apple. and Without I, the resources. Without the resources. Without the infrastructure, without the history, and from a way behind the starting position. Exactly. exactly. So that's going to be successful. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I mean, Adobe already has that in place. If you, yes, you know. in fact. So, Everything is there. Right. Why, why would – anyways – it's a whole separate thing. So, yeah, I don't see a lot of positive outlook for Avid. I'm just hoping that whoever ends up acquiring the Media Composer IP continues yeah. to maintain it and hopefully improves it. And it would be even better if they integrated it. If it was, you know, in a dream, it would be somebody like Blackmagic integrates it with Resolve so that we have all the tools we need tightly integrated. 
but yeah, I don't I think don't that's going to happen. I, no, I, I think I know we've we've jokingly said black magic, please. Buy yeah, it. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. I think that if anything, Resolve will evolve to the point where it can replace Media Composer at some point, but. That's, you Just, know, you know, that's how a lot of years get, How quickly will that get there? Well, you know, media composer obsolete versions are a, basically a thing. <laughs> Most people are not using the current version of media composer around this town. Well, once they went to the licensing, it's, it's happening more. But, yeah, in the films, and certainly in features, they don't tend to. But now, once you, since you have to pay for the licensing then, anyways, yeah, yeah. it's kind of like, oh, well, it's like Adobe. Yeah, it's, it's like it's, I didn't use to update all the time, but now I do because what the yeah, heck? yeah. <laughs> I got new features, and it didn't cost me any more because I already had to pay for and it. So. new bugs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, the new bugs. Yeah, well, that's that's the problem with new code is you get new bugs. So so I guess we're writing a eulogy for Avid? <laughs> uh, maybe. Well, I think the eulogy for Avid as a company is probably inevitable. Yeah. I don't think – I can't really see an upside for Avid that will take them back to the glory days of being a highly profitable company. Yeah, that's not happening. That's that's no. So that leaves the most likely thing is that if it continues to be like essentially sacked, <laughs> as in the tradition of sacking a town after you right. conquer it, mm-hmm. then it's really what happens to the assets. To right. does somebody buy all the assets together as an avid replacement? It might behove the big media enterprises to pull in together, put a million in each, and buy the company. For their own best interests. It wouldn't be the the first time because you know CMX was developed by CBS. So and, and you know they guaranteed Kodak of enough certain amount of purchases of film every year, so that Kodak will continue yeah. to make film. So that's right. That would probably be the most optimal scenario. Hey, Mike, Mike, Kav- Mike Kavanagh can head the consortium, but then they'll need <laughs> a new CEO. Hmm. Well. <laughs> Maybe they'll have it held tightly held private corporation. Oh yeah, there you go. Where they just don't have that stupidity going. I I still don't know how a board of directors are not being I, sued by shareholders. I don't I don't know either. It just amazes me. Because to me, that should be a shareholder class action suit against the board of directors who approved the bonuses. Because they're mm-hmm. you know this is inappropriate. I did a little bit of corporate law. I was a fellow of the Australian Institute of Company Directors for many years at the ah. highest, as a, as the highest fellow was the highest level at the time. You know, I was on a board of a $63 million a year cooperative, ran 43 bookshops around the country. Wow. Um, I just learned something new. I, <laughs> I learned a little bit about the way boards and management mm-hmm. are supposed to work because mm-hmm. it was fairly dysfunctional being an elected board from members. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I learned a little bit and I, you know, the function of the board is to basically keep the management under control and looking at the best interests of the, the shareholders. shareholders. Yeah, yeah. They have a fiduciary responsibility Duty, yeah. to us. A legal yeah. fiduciary responsibility. Yes. I can, I so know, yeah. if they breach that legal fiduciary responsibility by allowing the company to borrow, to pay bonuses. Yeah. It, it does. It, it does, does strain seem like the imagination. It does strain it? the imagination how that is not criminal. Yes. It is not breaching those laws. I mean, mm-hmm. seriously, who is on that board? Uh, well, the CEO is on the board. I know. So. Well, yeah, that's a bad <laughs> board. Then, if the CEO points their own board, that's a very bad situation. Yeah. So it's. Uh, yeah. It doesn't always work out as well as it did at Apple. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's what and, you need. I mean, it, it works when the CEO is right more often than wrong. And the CEO is only getting bonuses. Yeah. No, you know, $1 a year salary, so it was on the payroll officially, but. Yeah, well, of course, he was already rich, so he didn't care. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) Can't spend all the money I have. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, So, I don't know. I'm sad because I I think Avid has 
well, Avid was the first professional nonlinear editing tool. It, it created the industry that we're now part of. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, you know, all its imitators that have been so beneficial to me mm-hmm. are all because Avid was there first. So in that sense, it would be sad to see it go, but it wouldn't be the first industry name to no. be lost to the industry. No, not at all. Meanwhile, if you have cut your offline project and you're ready to finish it and you want to stay within the Avid world or if you want to stay within the Premiere Pro world or occasional Final Cut Pro project, you better come to Alpha Dogs where they can do the job properly. Why, thank you. And if you are cutting it, your project, and you're trying to take the boring out of posts, you're trying to make your life easier, you want to check out intelligentassistance.com. Until we get together next time, do something creative. That can't be outsourced. Thanks for listening. If you want your project to look and sound better, bring it to the team that cares about your project. AlphaDogs.tv.